Greetings, welcome, bienvenidos, hola, aloha, ni hao, namaste, konnichiwa, bonjour, bonjourno, sawadee so karab, guten tak, jiao, we viva, cat bang, half a day, jai jinendra, salam, shalom, peace, now, go vegan, peace, how, go vegan, from the new right-left coast of the genetically mutated McNugget Pharmaceutical Vivisection Prison Kilitary Industrial Court Poor Nation, in the cheese-covered post-constitutional bankster-bankrupt corruptocracy democracy criminocracy unchallenged by mediocrity, uh, food-borne in the NSA, NRA, uh, CIA, USA, home of Uncle Sam Manella, where they sure do eat a lot of dead animal body parts, and the Wall Street-backed corporate diet of death, disease, and destruction is shoved down your throat. This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And, uh, well, on this week's program, uh, Stu Chaffetz returns. Uh, Stu with Shark, showing animals respect and kindness. He's back this week. He was on our last show, our previous show, where he revealed uh, what seems to be a major animal rights scandal involving animal charity evaluators, Mercy for Animals, the Humane League. Uh, That that sounds like a comic book group, doesn't it? Um, And uh, the Good Food Institute. Um, Stu will be responding to written responses that we received from animal charity evaluators. And Nick Cooney, um, I did send invitations to appear on this program to uh, John Bachman and uh, Jonas Mueller um, of uh, Animal Charity Evaluators. Also, Peter Singer of Animal Charity Evaluators. Yes, that Peter Singer. Um, And also to Nick Cooney of Mercy for Animals. And uh, as you can hear, none of them are here this week. Um, But we did receive some written responses, you know, and uh, platitudes galore. So our hearts go out to all the people suffering in the Houston area. Um, And in fact, our hearts go out to all people victimized by the devastation of meat, dairy, fish, and egg consumption. Our hearts go out to all the people suffering um, flood, and suffering drought, suffering tornadoes, suffering wildfires, uh, and all the other victims of meat, dairy, fish, and egg consumption. Everyone suffering from heart disease, cancer, stroke, diabetes, hunger, and poverty all over the world. And... Uh, all the people huddled in Houston right now. Um, some clown was recently mocked in the media, and uh, I don't know if it was the uh, real fake news media or the fake real news media. Um, he was mocked for saying that Harvey is Texas is Texas karma for um, voting for Trump. 
And, of course, Trump personally caused climate change and global warming. Um, I think it was Trump stakes that just put everything over the tipping points, right? It was Trump stakes that did it. So, uh, anyway, there's, there's my fundraiser, my new fundraiser. Go Vegan Radio wants to uh, shut down Trump stakes uh, because it is the main cause of climate change. Uh, or, it, well, it at least brought us over the tipping points, I am sure. So please donate to Go Vegan Radio. We are out to shut down Trump stakes uh, to save the environment and save the world. Um, so anyway, I'm not going to go into, uh, you know, in terms of karma here. Like uh, that that guy who was ridiculed, um, I'm, you know, I'm I'm not going to go down that path, as in cattle country destroyed by catastrophe of biblical proportions. Um, instead, let us go where the science of today tells us uh, where things are. First of all, do we agree that Harvey is a product of climate change? Pretty good chance. Pretty good chance. Uh, I mean, after all, Harvey is the um, the most intense rain event ever for the conti- for the con- contiguous United States. And uh, you know, if anything's keeping us together, keeping us united, it is our contiguosity. Um, so the climate has never. Never, never, never produced a rain event comparable to that which Texas is experiencing. That's never, that's never, ever. Um, except maybe, you know, for that, uh, you know, that other disaster of biblical proportions, the 40 days and 40 nights for Noah the sailor man. Uh, so Harvey is the most powerful rain event in Texas history and U.S. history, um, and we are being told that the um, superstorms that we're seeing around the world these days are fueled by warmer land and especially warmer water temperatures, um, more moisture in the atmosphere, taking us to places where we have never been. Uh, bringing us to devastating tipping points of biblical proportions. Um, And, of course, Trump stakes, Trump stakes. We have to save the world from Trump stakes. There's a donate button at GoVeganRadio.com. That's our campaign. We are going to uh, end climate change by shutting down Trump stakes. So, um... So how is it that cattle country has been drowned by Harvey? Huh? Um, well, okay, so animal agriculture is the number one cause of climate change. It seems to be, you know, the, the secret that the environmental movement doesn't want you to know. Uh, the secret that the animal rights movement doesn't want you to know, and certainly the secret that ranchers don't want you to know, but... Animal agriculture is the number one cause of climate change. Um, so, therefore, those those steaks, the burgers, the barbecue, the butter, the ice cream. Yep, animal agriculture is the number one cause of climate change. Where have I heard that? 
uh, nowhere pretty much other than Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. So um, animal agriculture is responsible for at least 51% of all greenhouse gas emissions, human-caused greenhouse gas emissions. Google Livestock and Climate Change by Goodland and Anhang, Climate Advisors to the World Bank, Ecologists, Climate Specialists. That's their uh, assessment. Um, I mean, so I know we, uh, I don't know, we, we, we really do hate looking at the truth in this country, don't we? You know, but uh, if production and consumption of meat, dairy, fish, and eggs are the number one cause of climate change, and Harvey is caused by climate change, well, A plus B equal... Uh, or uh, one plus one equal, and uh, in terms of everything in biblical proportions, uh, with so many people in Texas attached to biblical teaching, uh, may we all go now? Uh, oh, let's let us open our Bibles, please. Uh, to uh, let's uh, let's uh, dust off the old testament here and let's go to uh, genesis book 1 verse 29 where god says in his very in his well his i guess that's he is a he in in uh, in this version of life here right okay so we go to genesis book 1 verse 29 uh god's very first commandment ever uh and uh, God says, Behold, I have given you every herb or every plant on the face of the earth um, and every tree with seed in its fruit. This will be your food, period, end of sentence, end of commandment number one. Don't mess up, okay? All right? I mean, that's a commandment. So it's so early in the book that even people, you know, who just you know want to thumb through it or just, you know, open it up and take a quick look in the uh, beginning pages and daisy agrees right so uh yep so that's right there in the beginning of the bible we are told oh god oh god i wonder what will happen if people don't follow your vegan diet what will happen um well what would ha- what will happen well the humane society of the united states will covet will covet everyone's wallet. Um, so please, 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 please do not donate to the Humane Society of the United States thinking that you are helping animals. Donating to the Humane Society of the United States is a disaster in itself. Of course, all the commercials are out there, and I, I received the text as soon as, you know, as soon as Harvey struck. I received the text to uh, donate to the Humane Society of the United States. Well, I do wonder what happened to the $34 million collected by the Humane Society of the United States for rescue uh, associated with Hurricane Katrina. Uh, The state attorney general of Louisiana wondered that also in an 18-month investigation that ended when HSUS agreed to fund a shelter in the state. However, WSB-TV Atlanta reported that um, HSUS could only account for $7 million of the $34 million it received toward Katrina Rescue. So, uh, what does that mean? 
27 million dollars unaccounted um and then uh, there was Hurricane Sandy and the Humane Society of the United States only spent a third of its uh, donations related to Sandy on Sandy and kept the other two-thirds. So um, that is not the organization to which to donate. Of course, HSUS is there. It's there on location for the photo op. It's there on location to take advantage of your good heart um and again it's there uh to profit off of the misery of animals as it always does well you know let's not let's not be fooled again um okay oh you know let's look at this let's look at the science here related to did climate change intensify harvey's catastrophic effects and we look at uh, live science and the article it has there. Um, and the article, well, that's the title of the article, by the way. Did climate change intensify Harvey's catastrophic effects? And remember, when I talk about climate change, I am talking about something that is caused uh, mainly by consumption of meat, dairy, fish, and eggs, uh, production and consumption. Remember, at least 51% cause. So that's what it is. And so in this article it says, uh, I'm quoting here, Astonishing, unprecedented, catastrophic. Experts are running out of adjectives to describe the devastation Tropical Storm Harvey has unleashed as it has uh, relentlessly dumped more than 40 inches, 102 centimeters, of rain on the Houston area, um, setting an all-time record for a tropical system in the contiguous United States. Harvey has been exceptional in a number of ways since it quickly spun up from a bedraggled uh, collection of storms in the Gulf of Mexico before slamming into the coast of Texas as a Category 4 hurricane, the first major hurricane to strike the U.S. since 2005, and the first hurricane to hit Texas since 2008. But nothing compares to the epic amounts of rain that have left even experienced meteorologists and emergency workers astounded. So we're looking at epic rainfall, an event that has never happened. Um, that almost sounds like climate change to me because it's it's a change to something that never happened. So, okay, well, let me scroll down in the article here uh, where it says, uh, clearest climate link. The strongest link between Harvey and climate change is likely seen as its astronomical rainfall several scientists said over the five days from august 24th to august 29th houston more than doubled its rainfall total for the year to date according to the rain data from houston's william p hobby airport and harvey broke the all-time record for total rainfall from a tropical system in the contiguous u.s dropping 49.2 inches 
hundred and two and well i guess some itches too if you don't dry up quickly um and 125 centimeters uh that at mary's creek at winding road in southeast houston according to the national weather service uh, the previous record was 48 inches or 123 centimeters uh, continuing here, it says, One of the clearest outcomes of global warming is that the amount of moisture in the atmosphere increases as temperatures rise, meaning more fuel for the rainstorms. So, uh, there you have it, um, related to at least uh, that aspect of Harvey. And... Also, I want to look at uh, something else associated with Harvey. Perhaps we weren't considering this, but I'm looking around. I have so many tabs open, and let's see. Where's the one? Ah, here it is. Okay. This one from Common Dreams. And the headline is, As Historic Flooding Grips Texas, Groups Demand Nuclear Plant Be Shut Down. Let's see, is this article from Fukushima, Texas here? or uh, No, okay. So, as it says, um, As record-breaking rainfall and unprecedented flooding continue to uh, batter the greater Houston area and along the Gulf Coast, on Tuesday, energy watchdog uh, groups are warning of a credible threat of a severe accident at two nuclear reactors still operating at full capacity in nearby Bay City, Texas. Uh, three groups, Beyond Nuclear, South Texas Association for Responsible Energy, and the Seed Coalition are calling for the immediate shutdown of the South Texas Project STP, which uh, sits behind the embankment they say could be overwhelmed by the raging floodwaters and torrential rains caused by Hurricane Harvey. Quote, Both the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission and the STP operator have previously recognized a credible threat of a severe accident initiated by a breach of the embankment wall that surrounds the 7,000-acre reactor cooling water reservoir, said Paul Gantier, um, the director of the Beyond Nuclear Reaction, uh, the Beyond Nuclear Reactor Oversight Project, in a statement by the coalition. That was on Tuesday. Uh... The groups warned that as Harvey, which on Tuesday was declared the most intense rain event in U.S. history, uh, continues to dump water on the area, a uh, breach of the embankment uh, wall surrounding the twin reactors would create an external flood potentially impacting the electrical supply from the switchyard to the reactor safety systems. In turn, uh, the water has the potential to cause high-energy electrical fires and other cascading events, initiating a severe accident leading to core damage. Uh, even worse, they added, uh, any significant loss of cooling water inventory in the main cooling reservoir would reduce the cooling capacity 
to the uh, still operating reactors um, that could result in a meltdown. Um, it says here, with the nearby Colorado River already cresting at extremely high levels and uh, flowing at 70 times the normal rate, uh, Karen Haddon, director of Seed Coalition, warned that the um, uh, continuing rainfall might create flooding that could reach the reactors. There's plenty of reserve capacity on our electric grid, she said, so we don't have to run the, res uh, the reactors in order to keep the lights on. Um, with anticipated flooding of the Colorado River, the nuclear reactors should be shut down now to ensure safety. Um, I believe the latest reports are that... Uh, the reactors were not shut down. Okay. So, look at the impact here. Uh, again, I might say the impact of the consumption of meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. Right? Um, if it comes right down to it, climate change affecting the weather, catastrophic, catastrophic events affecting nuclear power plants, all because people are eating meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. It seems like it might be time to, uh, to stop that, right? I mean, and, uh, and again, this is, uh, you know, this is an event as has never happened, this, this amount of rainfall. When, when do we think it's climate change? I know, I, I'm sure we can think, oh, there are cycles that happen. You know, we have to look at cycles over 500,000 years or a million years or, you know, whatever. All, all the ways of denying climate change. However, um, look, look at what happened. Uh, the climate changed enough in Texas for a first-time catastrophic event, such as the rainfall associated with Harvey, and um, what else do we need? Well, we, I mean, oh, you, you want something else? Okay, Death Valley uh, broke the record for the hottest month ever in the U.S. This was in July. I'm just getting around to it right now. Um, however, um, and uh, isn't that enchanting, though? I mean, the name, the name for that area of California. I mean, that's that's got to be just great for the real estate market there, or uh, you know, the the real estate market. Come live in Death Valley, huh? or uh, or for tourism, that, that that vacation in Death Valley. That you know, that's just so inviting, so so enticing. Um, okay, so um, anyway. Uh, global warming, if you like it really warmed, if you like it really hot. Uh, in July in Death Valley, the average daily high temperature was 107.4 degrees Fahrenheit. That's 41.9 Celsius. And I think if the tourist business in Death Valley knew what, uh, what would be good for it, uh, I think it would start uh, using Celsius all the time. You know, come vacation, come vacation in Death Valley in July. Um, it's it's a balmy forty one point nine degrees uh, Celsius. 
Um, and Americans don't understand Celsius anyway, so uh, <laughs> they might come. Oh, let's let's go cool off in uh, in Death Valley. Um, and uh, the average July temperatures were uh, a refreshing uh, forty-two. Yeah, July was the hottest month on record in Death Valley. Uh, this broke the record set in 1917 of 107.2 degrees Fahrenheit, 41.8 degrees Celsius. So, uh, Death Valley, July 2017, the hottest month ever recorded in the USA. Is it climate change or is just, you know, this the hottest month ever recorded in the U.S.? This according to the uh, National Weather Service in Las Vegas. The average low temperature in July dipped to a balmy 95 degrees. Uh, that was usually at around 5 o'clock in the morning on a daily basis. And uh, that would be your good time to go up, uh, you know, go out for a jog. And then um, the... Um, the highest temperatures in July were 127 degrees on July 7th, 126 on July 8th, 125 on July 31st. So, uh, yes, Death Valley is such a hot spot. Um, that is where the hottest temperature on the planet ever happened, that being 134 degrees Fahrenheit, or 56.7 degrees Celsius. Um, that's well over, well over halfway to boiling, huh? Uh, those happened on July 10th, 2013. So, yeah, the, the hottest temperature on the planet ever. Is that climate change? 2013? And uh, the... Um, of course, the rest of the planet has been heating up quite a bit lately also. 2016 holds the record for hottest year ever on planet Earth. 2016, the hottest year ever, followed by 2015 and 2014. And uh, should, uh, for some reason, 2016 not be able to continue uh, as the hottest month, uh, the runner-ups would uh, gladly step in. Uh, we're uh, we're having a pretty, pretty hot year this year here, this here year here. Uh, this is uh, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. Um, oh, and also I do want to thank uh, Evolution, Evolution Vegan Dog and Cat Food for its support of Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And Radio Bobby, our 24-7 music radio station. Um, that is, uh, you know, it's, I, I really can't believe I'm recording the show right now. Um, you know, I, this is my sacrifice. I'm not listening to Radio Bobby right now. I'm addicted to Radio Bobby, and I'm not listening right now. This is my, this is my sacrifice. Um and uh, so, yeah, definitely check out Radio Bobby. I mean, uh, I don't think, well, you've never heard a radio station like it. I think it will, be, it will bring great enjoyment into your life. So go to 
RadioBobby.com. RadioBobby.com. Do that after today's program. Again, we thank Evolution Vegan Dog and Cat Food for its support of the program. And uh, let's see. Oh, uh, this coming Wednesday is the first Wednesday of the month, and Evolution has uh, special savings if you call in and order on the first Wednesday. The phone number is 800. 800- Six five nine zero one zero four eight hundred six five nine zero one zero four. You get twenty percent off dry food, ten percent off uh, canned food, and uh, actually, if you're a new customer and you've never ordered uh, from Evolution, you get twenty five percent off uh, your first order. Whatever day of the month it is. So, again, that phone number is 800-659-0104. There are special discounts for people experiencing financial difficulties. But, again, remember, um, the first Wednesday of the month, special discounts for phone-in orders only at 800-659-0104. And uh, Eric Weissman at Evolution uh, keeps telling me I have to watch uh, have to watch his YouTube channel and I'm I'm going to check that out Evolution Diet um, what is it it's Evolution Diet Now hyphen YouTube dot com Evolution Diet Now hyphen YouTube dot com I'm going to check that out in the next day or two um, and Daisy loves evolution and uh, again make that phone call 800-659-0104 we also want to thank Vegetarian House Vegan Restaurant for its ongoing support of Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden and Radio Bobby um, Vegetarian House has been with us for many years it is one of the great vegan restaurants in the world it is 100% vegan um, organic non-GMO totally delicious look at the menu at vegetarianhouse.us and uh, you see that uh, we vegans sacrifice nothing we are foodies we have the best food Uh, we sacrifice nothing we sacrifice no one um well, I make the sacrifice. I'm not listening to Radio Bobby right this moment. which I, I'm addicted to the music. I must say, RadioBobby.com, the music experience of a lifetime. And that happens to be my experience as a program director in music radio. Uh, we'll go into that uh, at another time. So anyway, Vegetarian House, Vegan Restaurant, 520 East Santa Clara Street in San Jose. And if you have an event coming up, a social event, a business event, you're getting married and you need catering and you want the food to be spectacular, well, then you simply must get in touch with Vegetarian House. Again, the website is vegetarianhouse.us. All right, coming up on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, uh, we will uh, have the return of Stu Chaffetz from Shark. Uh, Remember, he was on last week's program. We're talking about um, what is uh, being considered a scandal in the animal rights movement that involves animal charity um, evaluators, uh, Mercy for Animals, the Humane League, Good Food Institute, and uh, so uh, the, accus- the accusations made by Stu and Shark, 
his group uh, showing animals uh, respect and kindness in a video that's on YouTube. We played that on last week's program also. Um, so uh, those accusations are out there. Uh, we invited uh, people from uh, Animal Charity Evaluators, Mercy for Animals, uh, to join us uh, in an interview, back and forth, Q&A. Uh, I don't they don't seem to be here so uh, but uh, there were a couple of written responses from animal charity evaluators and from Nick Cooney of Mercy for Animals so uh, we will address those coming up with Stu remember uh, we weren't one of the, we weren't one of those top charities you know uh, um, one of the top uh, uh, charities, uh, you know, award, winning that award from animal charity evaluators. Um, actually, apparently nobody promoting veganism uh, was. So uh, we didn't receive the, the, the you know, the, the stacks and stacks of money from the Open Philanthropy Project, which is doing more harm than good uh, with its philanthropy. Um and we'll talk more about that coming up uh, with Stu. Anyway, let's look at your philanthropy. Uh, perhaps you would like to help the vegan cause. Um, and uh, I can't think of a better way than making a donation, a tax-deductible donation, to Go Vegan Radio. Uh, what does Go Vegan Radio do? Well, we producing, we've been producing a vegan radio program for the past 16 years. We organize the World Vegan Summit and Expo. Uh, we organize Community Fest and Planet Fest and all sorts of uh, vegan events, uh, vegan activities. And uh, that's our cause. We are, we are the vegan movement. And you can support us with a tax-deductible donation by finding the Donate button at GoVeganRadio.com. You can also support us through subscription via Patreon. And you can also do that at at our website at GoVeganRadio.com We will continue. GoVeganRadio.com On Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Twitter, at GoVeganRadio. Uh, there's Radio Bobby for your musical entertainment without interruption by uh, any commercials that uh, are about meat, dairy, fish, eggs, wearing animals, using animals. So, great music and no commercials without chicken wings. Isn't it amazing? RadioBobby.com once again, have to blame the meat, dairy, fish, and egg eaters for this. They're, they're the number one cause of climate change. Animal agriculture responsible for at least 51% of all greenhouse gas emissions and responsible for the loud background noise. I apologize. The weather's getting cooler, and uh, our, our program will be of uh, better quality. <laughs> so there you have it. We weren't able to do our program last week because of the eclipse. 
and so uh, we did not have Harrison Nathan on the program. Uh, he was supposed to be on last week. I mentioned that. I don't know. I erroneously, forgive me. Uh, I knew eventually in my life I would make a mistake, and for some reason I identified him as a former employee of Animal Charity Evaluators, uh, when indeed he was a volunteer with the Humane League, who quit uh, that organization uh, because of uh, the subject matter that we are going to address again today with uh, Stu Chaffetz, who is kind enough to return. Stu was, in our, our, was on our most recent program. He is the investigator with Shark, showing animals respect and kindness. And uh, the investigator um, and Shark recently came out with revelations that would uh, make one come to the conclusions that there are scandals going on here involving animal charity evaluators, Mercy for Animals, Humane League, uh, Good Food Institute, Animal Equality, uh, Cooney. So uh, we did that program last week, and there's a very fine video about this from Shark on YouTube. And uh, we invited people to respond, people from Animal Charity Evaluators, Nick Cooney. And actually, we did get written responses. It certainly would have been preferable had they come on the program to discuss this, because when you get a written response, it's all these wonderful platitudes about how many billions of animals we're saving, and uh, my eyes uh, gloss over. So um, I thought uh, Stu Chaffetz, uh, he's investigating. He's the one who can handle examining the responses that we've gotten from both animal charity evaluators and Nick Cooney. And so welcome back, Stu. How are you doing today? We are attempting to do so. You're you're on the right coast there. You must be experiencing some global warming, climate change yourself right now. Uh, the people in Texas certainly are. They've had quite the experience. So, uh, how is it hot where you are? Uh, I'm I'm sorry to say to you that it's actually quite nice today. But but uh, so I don't want to flaunt that in your face. But uh, we, we we had some hot days. But it's it, uh, fall is coming quickly here in New Jersey. We are, we are temperature jealous of you at the moment. So, yeah. so um, we have uh, as much time as you'd like to take today to, to go through all of this. People are really interested in it. And uh, so, um, I don't know, do, do you want to uh, give a cliff note summary of um, your initial investigation? Or maybe I just covered it, or if you want right. to... Well, what I would tell people is that um, they can watch the video we, we released for themselves. You can go to our YouTube channel, which is YouTube slash Shark Online ORG, one word. After the slash, you can go to our, our you know, Shark Online dot ORG, which is our website. But I would suggest that they watch the video because um, it goes into great detail about our concerns. And some of the biggest concerns were these. Uh, enormous conflicts of interest where it appeared uh, that ACE was giving preferential reviews and promotions to organizations that they had personal or, or, or sometimes financial relationships with. And in this sense, the biggest one that we released at that time was with Nick Cooney as uh, three of his organizations that he either profits from directly or he's a co-founder of are holding the top spot of the top charity. 
And the reason why this is important is because ACE is claiming that there are potentially millions of dollars in donation going to these groups. And, um, you know, we, we believe that that potentially it represents consumer fraud because if you are – if you create an evaluation organization just to promote the groups that you want or you have a conflict of interest in, then that's not honest. And so we released that video, and I have to say it, it, it's one of the videos that people from uh, just all around were writing to us uh, saying that they felt the same thing that they had seen. They knew something was wrong here, and they really appreciated us speaking out against it. So I think that – I think maybe what Shark does that other groups don't is that we're not afraid to speak out. So um, – and, you know, and we had heard that there were people who – felt something was wrong with animal charity evaluators. And I almost hate calling them ace because it, it, I don't think what they're doing is ace. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it, it's far lower than that. But, and I think there are real problems here. But anyway, so the point is many people were reacting to this video. Uh, they were appreciative that we were willing to put ourselves out there and expose it. And, uh, you know, ACE did issue a, a response, and if you want to see that and our full written response to that response, you can go to our Facebook page, which is Facebook slash SharkOnlineORG. Um, you can look for it. It shouldn't be too far down. But um, the point is, is that they really haven't been able to contest any of our points. They can't say that. There aren't these conflicts of interest because they've even admitted some of them. Um, you know, they never responded to the fact that uh, Mr. Cooney, uh, who they again gave these very fiscally important recommend recommendations to the groups he represents, you know, that, which is bringing in a lot of money for his organizations, that he wound up, we discovered, holding an official position with A's. Um, they never responded to the fact that they put misleading and false information on GuideStar, which which would lead people to think that they're an organization that they're not. Um, you know, really serious issues out here, and they just kind of basically just ignored most of them. Uh, you, you know, you mentioned Nick Cooney. Um, you know, he wrote a response, which which you shared with us. And again, they just don't seem to get the point that these conflicts of interest go beyond just a wink and a nod. And uh, although at least he admitted he was on uh, one of their committees, but then ignored the fact that he was on this committee that hands out research grants and that Mobile, uh, Mercy for Animals, the group he's executive president, got a grant from this committee that he's on. Again, there's just so many really ethical questions and problems, uh, and they just don't seem to want to ignore it, and they're hoping that that people will ignore what they've done and just move on to other things, and, you know, we're not going to let that happen. Well, can you can you talk about anything, you know, specifically the, in, in uh, the responses from Ace and Nick Cooney? What, what are they saying? Why, what, you know, how are they contesting uh, your allegations? What, what are they saying, and... Uh, what are you saying back on some of these? Can you be specific on some? Yeah. So let's. I can go through our response to, to animal charity evaluators. Let's do that. Let's response do that. To us. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing is they, they, they seem to be upset with us that we exposed that they had Ducks Unlimited, a very pro-hunting group responsible for the deaths of millions of ducks. Uh, they also hold pigeon shoots. 
Um, they seem to be upset that we pointed out that Ducks Unlimited is on their website as, and they claim they reviewed it, and that that Ace called them quote general animal welfare and wild animal rescue and shelter. I mean, this is undeniable. We have screenshots of their own website. And they, they were, like, upset that we pointed that out. But the point is is that they claim that they're super science. Hey, we're science. You know, they, they always – everything is about science. But the fact that they padded their reviews to make people think that they were doing all these wonderful reviews and not one of them had the basic intelligence to do a Google search on a group that they claimed they were going to review – um, it is just enormous. If, I mean, if they can't be honest about that, and we can't trust them to do the simplest to check if a group they're considering to review is anti-animal, well, why would we trust anything they put out? So they really ignore the fact that you know they, they, they claim on GuideStar that they did more than 300 reviews in 2016, which is patently false, and that a lot of these charity reviews aren't reviews at all, and that really – the important reviews were focused on the groups they want. So that's the first point. Uh, the second point is that they, they don't want to deal with this GuideStar issue, and it's really important. Again, Ace put on GuideStar, and GuideStar is this, this uh, charity review website of its own, and apparently they don't have a, a strict uh, scrutinizing of groups who write stuff because they really just let them get away with this. But um, So anyway... On GuideStar, they wrote that they had conducted evaluations of over 300 animal charities, and that's false. You know, even in Ace response, they actually said they had a combined total of over 100 reviews, um, which is two thirds less than what they're claiming on GuideStar. Uh, and you know, GuideStar is used by the public to gauge the worth of nonprofits. When you put false information on GuideStar, you're showing a willingness to deceive the public about your work, and that's really a, a major problem and a common theme we found it about them. Now, the next big point is, is that ACE, in their response, completely ignore the fact that Nick Cooney, whose groups profit the most from ACE's recommendation, holds an official position with them. Um, and that also, as I mentioned earlier, on that committee, Cooney gave money to Mercy – you know, that committee gave money to Mercy for Animals where he is executive vice president. Now, that's completely unethical and defensible. You can't have someone that you're recommending – and, and, and pushing a lot of money towards um, be on an official committee. It just, you know, you can't walk away from that. And, but it also shows the closeness of, of ACE and the groups that they evaluate. Mm -hmm. uh, I, get, I, get I, I, think, I think that uh, in there it was um, in, in Cooney's response, uh, as Daisy with Freedom of Bark, um, I think that there were all these denials in uh, Cooney's response uh, that, that said he, he didn't actually work for them or wasn't on their board. or He went through a number of denials, um, but uh, as you mentioned, there was a research committee, right? Uh, right. He, Nick Cooney, you know, he, and again, Ace didn't admit it, but I'll give credit for Nick. I, I mean, again, credit. They're admitting something that we found out, um, which, was, which, by the way, they never admitted before. That he 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 is on the oversight committee of annual excuse me animal charity evaluators research fund. Now I want to point something out here. You know, in our video we say we had many conversations with Ace, um, and we did. We had a Skype in, Skype we uh, a Skype call between four of us. 
There were emails sent back and forth, and they were always like, oh, you're blowing this Nikuni thing out of the line, you know. And they never mentioned the fact that he held an official position with them. That was something that I found out after all that while I was putting the video together. So it was something I think that they really wanted to hide. Uh, so it says here, I guess, I, I guess we, we might as well go to Cooney's uh, uh, response here, where he says, uh, neither MFA Executive Vice President Nick Cooney nor any other Mercy for Animals staffer was involved with starting animal charity evaluators, starting animal charity evaluators, uh, nor ever been a staff member or board member of ACE, uh, nor ever had any say over which charities ACE recommends. Uh, the fact that Nick is a board member of two other charities that have also received top charity uh, commendations from ACE is a reflection of the fact that uh, these charities, like Mercy for Animals, also take an effective altruism approach to their programs and funding decisions and have the uh, explicit goal of reducing the most animal suffering uh, with each dollar um, each dollar donated. It, in 2016, Nick did join the Oversight Committee of Animal Charity Evaluators Research Fund. You know, so, you know, it, it goes on and on how, um, I guess, they, they didn't start it and they weren't board members, but he is on, you know, uh, this uh, research committee. And, uh, again, um, there, there's that, <laughs> there's that uh, effective altruism. Effective right, so, altruism. And let me deal with a couple things from that. First of all, I mean, it, we never said that he started it or uh, that he was on a, a staff or, you know, anything like that. So that was kind of pointless for him to write. Um, what we have said, and we were very careful when we put our video together. We didn't want to put out things that we couldn't prove, you know, all of the big points that we were making. We wanted to be very careful. What we did say was is that there were real conflicts of interest, that – that you had these, uh, you know, relationships with these uh, personal relationships or uh, people who used to work for different groups and things like that, um, you know, above the bunch of the groups. But the real problem is, is that, and this is, gets very complicated, but there is a, a relationship beyond that. I think that John Bachman, the, the, the person who runs ACE, at one point said, you know, there's, there, there's only this small little group of people who do this effective altruism trust, so of course we all know each other, and and that's really the key. And I don't think Nick Cooney realized it when he wrote that, uh, when he, I guess he was trying to take credit for being effective altruism. But here's the big, and this, this really kind of exposes the problem, is that a group called Animal Charity Evaluators is not evaluating all charities. It is particularly looking for and reviewing and promoting a very tiny subset of groups that they consider effective altruism. So in other words, they created a situation where the only groups that would be top rated belonged or, or had a relationship with Mr. Cooney. And that's the problem. Wow. It, we say this whole thing has been pre-selected. They have pre-selected it. If I started, uh, if I, let's say I started a, 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 a charity um, that that in the end promoted only things that I did. You know, let's say it, it promoted people who um, we, I, I say I'm I'm going to be uh, supporting special education groups, but I'm going to limit them to people whose name begin with Stu, and therefore I would therefore get I would be the top rated charity every year. Well, that's exactly what Ace did. 
They uh, by the way, by the way, by the way, uh, Bob Linden Charity Evaluators does recommend donating to Go Vegan Radio. Well, and hard to, there you hard go. to believe, right? Hard right. to believe. But it, and I know, you know, we're trying to make fun, but it really, I hope people get the point. That's what they did. They literally could have just said, you know, we want to, we're going to create the Nick Cooney uh, charity evaluators, and and it would have had <laughs> well, the same did. effect. They, they, just, been they, just, they just were smarter with the name than I, than I right. was. And, so. But that's a real problem. And I wouldn't, you know, smarter or deceptive. Well, look at the uh, name, though. I mean, and the name the name is, I mean, the name does seem to garner respect, right? It was like right. animal charity evaluators, you would think. Well, these, these are the people who evaluate the animal charities. You and know? by the but, way, if you look at also Mr. Cooney's letter, which I don't know if you're going to release uh, at some point. I don't know how you want to do that. But um, he talks about the other groups on this uh, research fund, and they include the Humane Society of the United States. Now, i got to tell you. When I, when I was looking through the groups that ACE reviewed and are promoting, and they're claiming to be these efficient dollar-to-animal lives saved, which is nonsense to begin with. So, but, so that's effective altruism, right? It's, it, just explain right. that for people who don't. So, so it's the effectiveness of your work per dollar or something, right? So right. That, they claim, that, the, the claim is that, yes, that, that somehow you can put a dollar – if you can put a dollar amount on your work, to animals saved. So, for instance, if you spend ten dollars and saved one animal, wow, you're really effective. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, it's complete nonsense, and we're going to be exposing that in our follow-up video, where we're going to show that they don't do science, and we'll use their own words and their own voices to show that they don't do science. It's all political. It's not. They fail every measure of what science is supposed to be. But that was something we'll deal with later in more detail. And what was what, what were some of their claims? Or like it was like yeah, if, if you give how much to whatever group, uh, you right. know, like See, like if you donate a hundred dollars to X group, you're saving 1.5 animals. Again, it's just complete nonsense. Uh, and I and I said this before on your show, and I'll say it again. I will debate anyone from Ace or or Nick Cooney or anyone. I will sit down with you anywhere you want, and I will debate you on the whole reason why effective altruism makes zero sense um, and, and all this science is phony when it comes to figuring out a dollar per animal saved. Unless you are literally taking dogs off the street and, and you know paying money to get them spayed and neutered in a home, you can never figure out uh, how much it is life per save because it makes no sense. Um, you just can't. And again, we you know I don't want to leave this... This is such a broad subject; it could take hours to go through. But we will definitely be dealing with it in the future. So, but anyway, the point is, is that how does HSUS, a group that has hundreds of million dollars sitting in the bank, with people getting hundreds of thousands of dollars in donations, wind up being on one of Ace's uh, promoted groups? Um, because there's clearly no way they're effective. I mean, it's 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 a definition of non-effective to me. When you give somebody, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars salary for doing something that somebody could do for a third of that, um, but and yet you see a lot of the groups that that Ace um, endorsed on this uh, research fund committee. So again, it's the incestuous nature of it. There are these, and, and, and that's one of the, that's the, pretty much the major problem I have uh, is the groups uh, selected. I mean, I look at all of these groups, and I have. 
such problems with them. I they they would never make my top ten list, top fifty, probably top thousand list because they're out there promoting cage free eggs. They're they're promoting uh, uh, you know they're they're, they're uh, pr they promoted enriched battery cages. I mean, if you look at you know Mercy for Animals, and I think Cooney said. Did he say at the beginning of the letter like uh, something like, "Oh, we're so proud that Mercy for Animals for three years in a row was selected"? Or right. let me see if that. Uh, let's see if I scroll down there. Um, let's see if I can get up to the top of it here. Oh, uh, he has so much to say. Uh, so he says, "Yeah, Mercy for Animals is proud to have been uh, recommended for the past three years by animal charity evaluators as one of the world's." Uh, most cost-effective animal protection uh, charities. Now, so Mercy for Animals has been recommended for the past three years. That's quite a, quite an accomplishment, considering uh, the connections uh, you're discussing. But I, I'm wondering if Mercy for Animals uh, is receiving these recommendations because it was opposed to cage-free eggs, as it used to show on its website, saying, don't believe the egg industry hype, and then it talked about cage-free eggs and every male chick being uh, ground alive and every female mutilated, imprisoned, and killed um, until uh, Mercy for Animals received a million dollars from the Open Philanthropy Project and now supports cage-free eggs. So did it, uh, did it win these recommendations for being against cage-free eggs or for cage-free eggs? Was Mercy for Animals' relationship as a partner with United Egg Producers and, you know, the Humane Society of the United States some years back in support of furnished battery cages. Uh, is, is that what wins them the award? Uh, does the award, uh, do they get the award for their broiler welfare campaign now? I mean, th these groups are horrendous. You know, is there anybody who might say go vegan, who might uh, win one of these grants? And by the way, at some point here, I, I do want to get to, I mean, it's like reading, uh, it's like really kind of reading a comedy script when you look at, um, Animal charity evaluators receiving $500,000 from the Open Philanthropy Project. And, uh, that, you know, th that's a joke as much as Mercy for Animals out there, you know, promoting egg eating. You know, right. they, they don't promote vegan. They don't even say vegan. They all well, say, let, you know, we, we eat no veg, you know. So can, where do you want to go? You want to go somewhere? Yeah, I, I, I actually want to stay on that point for a second. And there's a lot to parse here, but. I was uh, let me start it this way. I was surprised that Nick Cooney's response to you was not a personal response, but from him in his role at Mercy for Animals. And I, I actually was really I, I was curious about that. And it made me think about Mercy for Animals role in this because I had always heard that they were, you know, a very good organization and and and, and I know that they had done a lot. And anyway, um, I started to I started to want to lay all the pieces of the puzzle out. So here's here's what it here, here's what some of these pieces were. So we know that ACE Animal Charity Evaluators uh, became Animal Charity Evaluators in 2013. That's when they started. There was a different group. There was some other stuff in their history, but that's when Animal Charities itself became into existence. 2013. Well, if you go to Mr. Cooney's LinkedIn page, he began work at Mercy for Animals. In December of 2013, which is interesting because in his own letter, he says animal charities evaluators began in December of 2013. So that's interesting. And then when you go to the uh, Mercy for Animals webpage and you look under uh, Nick Cooney's 
description, it says that he serves as their executive vice president, uh, including corporate outreach and fundraising. Mm. Okay, so let so here are the pieces of the puzzle, and I'm going to let everyone listening to this make up their own mind. Animal Charity Evaluators forms in December of 2013. Nick Cooney gets hired by Mercy for Animals in December of 2013. Nick Cooney's job, or part of his job, is to do fundraising. Animal Charity Evaluators puts Mercy for Animals in their top spot for the rest of its existence, basically. I think that's a real problem. The plot thickens. The plot thickens. It, it really does. And, I, and again, I, I, I honestly say I've always heard good things about Mercy for Animals. And then I did something else. I looked at Mercy for Animals IRS Form 990s, and I suggest anyone do this. Again, these are public information. If you look at what they say in 2012 and 2013 and 2014, they talk uh, – because there's a section of the form where you describe what you do. They're talking about veganism. They're talking about uh, exposing animal cruelty. They use vegan a lot. In 2015, it changes dramatically. Um, all of a sudden, they're talking about animal welfare. Um, they don't use the word vegan. And, you know, I'm looking at the thing right now. Even in, even in Cooney's response, he talks about how we encourage people to go veg, whatever that means. Right. right. So you do see, based on, you know, based on their 2013 through 2015 IRS forms, which they control <laughs> – you see this real dramatic shift from an organization that was promoting veganism, very hardcore veganism, great, and then suddenly they're talking about welfare, and then going – now I'm going to tie this all back to what the point you made. So you've got open philanthropy giving out millions of dollars to a number of different groups. I mean million-dollar checks, 500000 a year, this and that, tons and tons of money for groups to work – on their campaign about this broiler chicken campaign, which is not about saving lives. it's They claim it's just about reducing cruelty because people are still going to eat these birds. They just want them to be uh, less cruel somehow, which I, I would contradict again because I think it's foolishness to think that Factory Farm is ever going to be not horrifically violent and cruel to the animals in it. Or any but the, farm. But the point is <laughs> – Or the family farm. Right. Everything I've just said is public information. You could go look it up yourself. But I think at some point we are going to have to reach out to Nathan Runkle and just talk to him and ask him, what's going on here? I mean, again, you know, when you've got the dates of December 2013, which Nick Cooney – this is all Nick Cooney's word. He made his own LinkedIn page. He sent that letter to, to you saying that the, you know, it was the form of December 2013. I'm not sure he realizes – what he wrote, and that he's his job is to do fundraising. It stinks. It stinks to high uh, to high heaven when all these things link up. And then you know, I'm sorry, but I don't buy it that that all these things just magically happen to fall in place. And Ace is somehow magically, objectively picking his groups and and Mercy for Animals to get a lot of money in donations. It's a real problem. And again, Stu, I, I have been in conflict with Mercy for Animals for, for many years now. Um, when, when all of these groups decided to reverse positions on modified battery cages, they were all opposed to it. Um, they were saying, you know, it's unacceptable. These cages are unacceptable for uh, the birds' psychological welfare, physiological welfare. They all opposed furnished battery cages. And then 
The next day, overnight, they're all campaigning for them in a partnership with United Egg Producers, led by the Humane Society of the United States, which is a rancher advocacy group. It is in a part. It's in a global livestock partnership to uh, to, to try to meet increased demands. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, supposedly 70% demand for so-called livestock products by 2050. HSUS is is part of that consortium. It, I, I don't know why anybody thinks of it as as an animal protection organization when it has had a pig farmer vice president for years. It, it's given away uh, coupons, discount coupons for bacon. I mean, I. You know, I, and then it mainly campaigns for, for these cage-free eggs, and it has brought everybody along. So, um, I, I, again, I don't see how you evaluate these groups as, as top groups when they reverse their positions. They support uh, the five freedoms. You know, they say they thank these corporations for the five freedoms, which are, again, nonsense, saying, oh, now... Um, you know, Walmart uh, is going to buy animals who never suffered uh, uh, fear or pain, nervousness, disease, or how, you know, it's, it's just so, so insane. These are not uh, the, the top groups. Ace is not the place, you know? Right. And, and, and so people might ask, you know, showing animals res- uh, respect and kindness, Shark, the group I work for, why are you doing this? Why, why are we focus on, focusing on this? And there are a couple of really, really important reasons. The first thing is is that when you have someone like this, these tech billionaires with all these millions of dollars, and it's giving the appearance at least, okay? And I'm leaving it like that. I'm being generous here. The appearance that they can buy groups and change the direction of these groups to what they want, and what they want is not good for animals. So, so uh, it's, again, this, this effective, problem. it's the effect, this is the effective altruism you're talking about? Well, that, I'm talking that, about when a, Open Philanthropy and the tech billionaires who are backing it, when they are giving out million-dollar checks to different groups, who some of which used to be heavily promoted veganism, and now they're talking about smaller chickens as being this great victory when it's not, instead of using, you know, like using smaller chickens instead of bigger chickens for broilers, which is not saving anyone's life. It's not saving any lives. And in fact, also, I think also, it makes... Yeah, they're involved with research on trying to figure out how uh, how to reduce the number of broken legs in, in chickens in K3 operations. You know, most of the chickens in those operations have broken legs. I see they're funding research for that. So, I mean, they're, they're funding animal research also, you know, and, uh, and, the, and, and the broiler research, they're funding broiler research. So, uh, in a sense, these groups are involved with promoting... Uh, eating animal products and and research uh, on animals at the same time. Um, you know, I and I, uh, you know, it, it's it's a uh, it's really destructive when so much money pours in not to help these groups do what they're already doing, but to force them to do this new thing, which again I think is anti-animal. It's my opinion. I'll phrase it as that, or because well, it's not saving I'm, lives. I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in total agreement with you. Now, you know, all this money is coming from the Open Philanthropy Project, Open Phil, uh, being guided by uh, Louis Bollard, uh, who uh, used to work for the Humane Society of the United States. So, uh, And uh, I, I, I did a program some months back, maybe I mentioned it on the last show, um, I did a critique of the interview that our henhouse did with Louis Bollard, who was on there confessing time after time that 
he really didn't know what he was doing. Um, you know, he wasn't sure. He didn't have the answers. And yet he is spending millions and millions of dollars to the detriment of animals. It's like this, this buffoon comes on and says he doesn't know what he's doing. And now look at what he's doing. And oh, so, Stu, maybe this is a good point, a, a time to uh, talk about uh, the uh, support. Let, let me get into this here and uh, get your reaction. But this is... Uh, this is the uh, comedy uh, comedy of the week here. Animal charity evaluators, uh, general support from the Open Philanthropy Project, um, and uh, it is for five hundred thousand dollars. On reading about the grant, uh, June twenty seventeen, uh, from Grant Investigator Lewis Bollard. Where have I heard that name? Um, so, uh, it says the Open Philanthropy Project awarded a grant of $500,000 over two years to animal charity evaluators, ACE. Uh, ACE is an organization in the effective altruism community um, that does research to identify effective animal welfare charities and recommend them um, to donors. Our grant is intended to help ACE scale up and uh, address what we view as uh, some of its current shortcomings. So, let's see, so they're giving the grant, they're giving the grant about the grant, proposed activities here. Oh, look, what's first? Increased compensation. Ah, ACE, <laughs> ACE plans to raise staff salaries by between $2,000 and $4,000 per year for each employee, uh, plus provide a platform for retirement accounts, okay, so, uh, yeah, so there's that, whatever. But well, what and I also got to point out, mm -hmm. and I believe that's the same review that we used in our, in our video about Ace, is that he really eviscerates them saying that they use bad science. I don't remember. Okay, we're, we're getting to that. We're getting oh, sorry, to that. Getting yeah, to that. no, no, no. This is, you know, we haven't quite gotten to the punchlines yet. So, okay. So, uh, under, and this is, again, uh, you know what's so funny about Open Philanthropy Project? If you if you read about its grant to Mercy for Animals, uh, and, and again, it always puts, puts in, like, risks and reservations. And it talks about how, well, gee, in the past, Mercy for Animals used to be against gay tree eggs, as on this blog post here, and you click that on that, and it says, don't believe the egg industry hype, and then Open Philanthropy still gives Mercy for Animals that initial million dollars to promote cage tree eggs, and suddenly Mercy for Animals is the egg industry hype. Now it's gotten up to... Uh, Three million dollars at least from Openfill. Wait, I'm sorry. You, you got to. I just want to, because I actually hadn't. Done. So they actually, Mercy for Animals had a blog post against cage-free eggs, and then yes. they got money from Open yes. Philanthropy, and they changed their opinion on it. Yes, that's yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You, you heard me. Yeah, mention you can that send before. me those links. Uh, okay. You know, I, I, well, but that goes to the point that we were trying to make from their 990s that they used to be a hardcore vegan group, and then. They change, you know, what they put in there. But that would be stunning if there's oh, actually it, it, a copy of that. Oh, that it's uh, I, I I've posted it countless times because oh, I mean, come on, that's why I mentioned before. Which Mercy for Animals won the recommendation from Ace? Was it the one that opposed cage free eggs, or was it the one that campaigns for cage free eggs? That's that's what interests me. You know, it's like which Mercy for Animals is it? Was it the Mercy for Animals that opposed 
furnished battery cages or the one that supported furnished battery cages or supports the uh, five... Uh, so under uh, risks and reservations here, this is from the Open Philanthropy Project, risks and reservations. Overall, we think ACE offers good recommendations that help direct money to effective groups. However, we have had a number of reservations about its work in the past, some of which we now feel have been mitigated. ACE has sometimes relied on low-quality research in the past. <laughs> well, well, let's right. let's give let's give it five hundred thousand dollars right there because of its of its good judgment in the past. So uh, anyway, it just seems well, funny I, to no, me. Well, it is stunning when and we that's a part of our video. And I tell you, I really wish. I could have like a personal meeting with Carrie Tuna and Dustin Moskovitz. They're the billionaires, the tech billionaires who are funding this. Because I really, I, I, I don't know if they know what's going on. Uh, but it, how can they, I mean, I, I would hope that they would be shocked by I've tr I've tried contacting the dollars I've tr are just being given away really badly. I really you wish know, anyone knows these people, please put them in touch with us at Shark. I just want to talk to them and say, please take a look at this because you're going to see five years from now, ten years from now, all, in my opinion, all this money is going to be wasted, that no animal lives will be saved, that really no suffering is going to be reduced because – so harmful. You're talking so about factory farms. And it really – I just – so please, anyone know these people? Please send them to Shark. I, well, I've because tried I to contact them. I've, I've, I've tried to contact them in the past you know, because it's uh, – you know. And then again, what do I know? These people may have investments in in cage-free operations, for all I know. You know, I don't. Well, I don't and know, but... you know, we'll we'll look into that and find it. And I also well, want to. I, I also I have to put out a couple of things here because I I just want to be clear. We act, Shark had uh, before we did this stuff. Before we knew what was going on, um, we made a you know we we sent a, uh, a a grant request to Open Philanthropy, and then. Um, because we knew that, you know, once we were, we, we exposed ACE, we, we, uh, we pulled our request because it wouldn't be ethical to keep it going. So, you know, I, I, I would send the message to a lot like people at, Mer you know, Mercy for Animals and these other groups. I know the money looks good. And I know in your head, you're thinking, I'll take the million and I'll do something with it. But man, it is such a slippery, uh, slippery slope downhill where, as soon as you accept the first five hundred thousand dollars and you change your position as you're telling me yeah. uh, it on cage free, don't sell your soul. Just don't do it. Be strong. The money will come another way. It'll come from people supporting you because you're good, not because you you're selling yourself out. And eventually everyone's gonna see it. I mean, maybe just a few people see it now, but that great reputation you used to have will get destroyed if people believe that you are selling your soul. For that money, so just it's just a bad, bad move. Well, it's, it's, I, it's, it's it's pretty obvious at this point that, that that's what happens. I mean, I've I've posted on it. I've I put on Mercy for Animals opposition to Cage Three Eggs and also the page uh, with the grant from uh, Open Philanthropy for uh, for the million dollars and the change in position. So, and and I, I just want to continue here with uh, the uh, risks and reservations that uh, the Open Philanthropy Project had about giving. $500,000 to ACE, uh, as I mentioned, it says here, 
ACE has sometimes relied on low-quality research in the past. However, our impression is that in the last couple of years, ACE has reduced, though not entirely eliminated, its reliance on low-quality data. So it's saying, we're going to still give you $500,000 even though you are still relying on low-quality data. I mean, this is like, uh, I, I need a laugh track. I need to hit a laugh track. Here. And then it says, uh, oh, and that it is taking active steps to improve in this regard, including adding an additional layer to its process of uh, review before uh, citing research. Uh, it goes on to say, our impression is that ACE's recommendations have sometimes followed trends in the broader effective animal advocacy community. For instance, when vegan advocacy was particularly popular, and I don't remember it ever being popular, but okay, I'm, that's my uh, high, you know, parentheses there. Uh, it says, for, for instance, when vegan advocacy was particularly popular among this community a few years ago, ACE promoted charities such as vegan outreach, uh, when the community became interested in shifting norms and promoting an anti-speciesist message, although that I don't consider vegan outreach uh, really a, a vegan charity or one that I'd have on the list there too, considering uh, its position. But I won't go into that now. Um, and I okay. So then it says Ace uh, started promoting charities focused on. Uh, Message spreading, e.g., animal. Oh, Probably should have. Uh, I stopped in the middle of the sentence there. So where was I? Well, I think we get the point that that you know, it, it's it's a joke, but it's a tragic joke as well. That's why I, I almost think you can't. How can you become a tech billionaire and have your people throw away money when they, you know, their own review says that, you know, paraphrase it, the science is junk. Um, and again, you know, we are going to keep on this issue, and we will. I'm really going to go after them for that. Um, Wait, I, 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 have, I have to finish. So just bear with me, because it's just I can't. Uh, I, I can't bear not, not going through you know, being, okay. like, being effective with this. But so okay. So for instance, when vegan advocacy was particularly popular among this community a few years ago, Ace promoted charities such as Vegan Outreach, and uh, then when the community became interested in shifting norms and promoting an anti-speciesist message, ACE started promoting uh, charities focused on message uh, spreading, e.g. animal ethics. However, we think these shifts uh, partially reflect ACE uh, genuinely updating, uh, updating based on new evidence, and Lewis' impression is that ACE has become less influenced by and more skeptical of community trends over time. We continue to have some reservations about the level of venting ACE applies to charities' claims about themselves and would like to see ACE vet charities' claims more closely. So look at all the problems that uh, Open Phil still has with ACE, and it gives it $500,000. And, you know, I want to, if, if I may slightly divert here, but I think it's important. All this money is supposedly going, again, effective altruism, these tech billionaires, who, which effective altruism can work in many other different uh, charities other than animals. It just simply doesn't work in animals, again, because, you know, if you're talking about how many 
cows, you might say, if compared to chickens. Well, are you counting all the mice? Are you counting all the rats involved in the defeat? I mean, you know, it's, it's an impossible mathematical equation. It'll never work. But they love the, they're so in love with this idea that you can figure out this magical mathematical equation to, um, to figure out the exact dollar amount to animals saved that they're pouring all this, mil- all this money into it. So over, tw- doing- over $20 million so far also, yeah. by the way, if you look at all the grants. <laughs> it's the biggest waste of money. I mean, it's shocking. Uh, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Right. But let, and let, me, let, me, let me give you a real-life example of the difference, I think, between uh, doing real work and sitting around thinking about it. So uh, three years ago, Shark received an anonymous tip that United States Senator Jim Inhofe from Oklahoma, people may know him, he's very conservative right wing, he's the guy who brought a snowball into the U.S. Senate to prove global warming was a myth. This is the guy we're talking about. Anyway, one of his donors wrote to many different groups, sent an anonymous letter, anonymous letter saying he was going to hold a live pigeon shoot as a fundraiser. Well, we, Shark was the only group who took that and did something. In fact, I went undercover there the first year. We exposed his cruelty. Uh, the next year, uh, the, the, other t- the rest of Shark was out there flying drones. Uh, in 2016, we rescued uh, two dozen birds that Inhofe had left to die. And the point is, all the pressure, all the hard work we did against him, um, we just scored, an, there was an amazing victory where he will no longer hold live pigeon shoots because of all the pressure we put on him. Now, I'm, I'm saying this because I want to share a victory with you guys and also let people know, Shark is about saving lives. We're fighting Ace right now because we think it's a problem, but the overwhelming majority of our work is saving animal lives. And it means doing the hard stuff, putting yourself at risk, getting there, going to where, you know, when I was there undercover, there were a lot of guys with guns. If they, ever, if they found out who I really was, it probably wouldn't have ended so well. Um, the other people were there, you know, picking up the bloodied, wounded bodies of the birds from, you know, shark personnel was out there. And I can just imagine if Ace was given this anonymous tip, they'd probably spend, they'd probably still be three years later uh, doing reports and research on whether they should do it and how do we do it. And that's why it's all such. And, and, and how many, and how many, how many uh, pigeons would be saved per flyer? Right. Like, so we, if, you know, how much does the airplane cost and the, the hotel room to, to go there? Is it worth it? You gotta just put all that stuff. It's all garbage. And, and by the way, uh, every victory, every, every person who, who goes vegan is a victory. Every new vegan, every day, everybody, anybody who goes vegan is a victory. More than the millions of dollars being spent to um, ask people to eat cage-free eggs. I mean, I, you know, it's just, uh, you well, know, and it's also one vegan versus everything that, that, that these charities are doing. But even, but here's the thing, and I don't, it doesn't matter what type of animal protection work you're involved with. I don't care. I mean, you know, the people involved in anti-vivisection are doing great work. People who are rescuing dogs are doing great work. If you're saving lives, that's the only thing that matters. Uh, but when you're sitting around writing reports on whether you know undercover investigations are worth it, which is one of the one of Ace's, they wrote they had they paid someone to write a report about about that issue, which is nonsense. Um, you're not saving lives. You're sitting around wasting money. And there's not a person that I know of all the good. And I've been involved in this for almost 30 years. No, none of the good people, the many good people I've known would ever read one of Ace's reports on what to do because they knew it's all BS. 
completely that they would never they would laugh at it. So I don't know. This is and what I'm all, saying. all of these groups were were central players at the recent animal rights conference. They were they were all speakers, multiple speakers. It was you know it's animal charity evaluators and uh, the other the, the other uh, Cooney associated groups are uh, are which again? They're uh, it's Mercy for Animals, the Humane League, and the Good Food Institute. And Good Food Institute. And right. was it their animal equality was mentioned in that, but not. Not in the same context. Right, and, and we have problems. You know, we think that, that there's a problem with, with animal quality. Like, oh, basically all the groups that have ever been, that ACE has put to their top uh, level are, you know, there's suspicions around them. Um, but, you know, and, and I think that I think that there is, in the rest of the movement, that deals with all the, the, the various and important issues. Again, I don't care what issue it is. They are starting to realize the danger of this as well, because when everything is focused on one single issue, like this broiler chicken campaign, that's not, not one of these groups, not one of these groups, not one of these groups promote the, the concept of going vegan. The top groups are not promoting going right. vegan. And you want to know why? You want to know why they're all full of garbage too? And and it, this, I think this one issue really exposes it, because they claim. Well, you got to look at where the most animals are killed and what you can do to do, save them. The most animals that are killed by far are fish. Mm-hmm. It's not even a question. But so, so they, you'd think that okay, are you going to work on the fish? Or they say no. Well, and they come up with a million excuses. The point is, they are funding that, fish welfare. They're, they're funding fish welfare, so there'll be approved uh, fish farms and. Uh, you uh, know, but, uh, but they don't even, you know, they don't even go. They don't touch the issue because it's not what they want. And this is the critical point of it. They pre-selected the issue they want, and they instead of following where any good science would lead you, they bend any little fragment of science. I shouldn't even call it science because it's really not any fragment of data or whatever. They bend it to fit their ideology instead of letting their ideology follow what the science says. So if you ever just want to call them out, just say, wait a minute, you could save more lives by fighting, by, by, uh, by working against the eating of fish. Well, and that, that's, the, that's the vegan cause right there. That's right. The, saving the most lives is encouraging, encouraging people to go vegan, including, yeah, don't, don't, don't eat fish, but here you have even this, this really corrupted animal rights movement now that, that's embracing a, you know, a one-step program where they're saying, don't eat chicken. They're saying, don't eat chicken because you know you get X amount of servings per uh, chicken versus cow, so you know more chickens have to die versus the amount of servings per cow. So you have people uh, who were with vegan outreach, like Matt Ball, who you know, had right. a viral, viral video on you know, just don't eat chicken. But I, I'm saying, well, if you're going to say don't eat just chicken, where are you, Matt Ball, on on fish? You know, where you know, if you're saying if you're trying to save the most lives. And then I heard him on some goofy interview somewhere where he said, uh, and, and he was questioned, you know, well, why aren't you trying to save seafood? If you know, if, if, if uh, so-called seafood, aquatic life, uh, is uh, what's killed the most for for consumption. And he he said. Well, you know, my daughter and her friends, none of them, none of them order seafood. You want to know something funny? I heard that same interview. I don't remember what it was, <laughs> but and I, and I, in fact, I'll tell you what. I'll take it one step further. That you know, go, um, because this is someone who used to be involved with vegan issues. And if you listen to that, wherever that interview is, I, you know, it's almost like he became despondent 
because he said he knew a lot of people used to be vegan and they're no longer vegan. So like he's despaired in my opinion. And that's where he came, you know, this whole craziness about, you know, choosing one animal over the other came about. Like they're just so desperate. And then you and once you start selling again, once you start selling your ethics out, no one has any faith in you. If you don't live up to your ide- ideals and ideology, no one is going to believe in you. It just it's just how it works. Well, and, and, and look at the, the Good Food Institute, one of these uh, recipients. Uh, you know that that's producing animal meat, animal derived meat, animal. You know that you know the lab meat, which they're now calling clean meat is animal-derived meat. There will be, have to be animal farms, uh, so-called donor animals, and at present it seems that the cells have to be fed with a, uh, a solution of the blood from unborn cows. And, uh, you know, that, that's where the ethics have gone, to animal-derived meat fed by cow blood. Um, and uh, there, there, there's your Good Food Institute. Well, I, I, you know more about. I haven't looked into them, so you know a lot more about what they're doing than I do. So it, it is what you're saying sounds, you know, really, it's just, it's oh, just. Oh, 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 and so, so, so now, by the way, um, as as was re- reported in, in something, um, what is it? Re- report fire in the UK put out, showed the, the results of the study, and so you know, with, uh, with with the consumption of lab meat or what they're calling clean meat. Now we'll be able to expand species to where you'll be able to order panda meat. And, you know, just now it, it'll just expand all the species from whom we wind up taking cells. So, I mean, it's just it, it's just a mess. But the good news in that same report stated that the vegan population the, the, uh, in the U.S., people who identify themselves as vegan, has increased to 6% of the U.S. population from 1% in uh, 2014. So um, I am going to claim that as effective altruism for Go Vegan Radio and go, you know, take my tin cup to uh, to Lewis Bollard over at the uh, Open Philanthropy Project now. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> um, I think you're going to have to be closer friends with him than that to get any money out of them. Yeah. Well, um, hopefully, you know, hopefully you know, he doesn't listen to this show or the one where I. Yeah, and and you know again, I, I I know you've been around for a real long time, and I have too. And you know, I started, uh, I became a vegan on January first, nineteen ninety. And I'll tell you what, over the decades, I've seen a lot of fads come and go. Uh, there was this no compromise movement in the nineties where where all these young people were getting arrested. They thought it was great. They were having a great time. And then once they realized that they owed tens of thousands of dollars and were spending time in jail. And they realized it wasn't so great, so that thing ended. And there have been a number of these fads, and I really think this, what, what animal charity evaluators are doing, what open philanthropy is doing by funding things, it's a fad. And and when eventually the money runs out, because eventually, you know, maybe it will, or hopefully someone will realize that all this money is going nowhere, or you know, it's wound up doing more damage, in my opinion. Um, you know, I I think that all the people who are out there struggling every day, who don't get credit. Who are working hard, they're not getting paid, or they're getting paid just a you know survival wage. They'll still be there, and there will always be the people who have been working for decades, and they'll continue, and there'll be more people doing it, doing the right thing, keeping their honor intact, um, keeping their ethics strong, and fighting and saving lives. And now I'm 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 Go Vegan Radio is a struggling charity, and yet if Lewis Bollard wrote a check for a million dollars and said. Next week, please start saying how great cage-free eggs are. 
I'd have to rip up the check, you know, it's like, you know, it's just not, you know, and I don't, under, you know, like, I, I can't understand how the animal rights movement has just become, you know, it's like a conspiracy, it's like an animal betrayal special. Well, point. and I wouldn't look at so much, you know, it's not like a, a you know, a, a fantasy conspiracy, I think, in my, and I'm going to state this as my opinion, but when you start handing out, when people start getting checks for millions of dollars and they see it in their in their eyes, you know, not pointing out anyone in particular, but I mean, but and I've known people who've, who've kind of done this in a sense, that they start justifying to themselves, well, I can take that $300,000 a year salary and I'll be really great for animals even though I've got to do these somewhat questionable activities. And then you just see, you know, as they get the nice cars and the nice houses and the nice clothes, uh, that the justification becomes so much more easier year after year. And, and the worldwide and travel, I see, how, I see all, the, all this global travel from, uh, uh, you know, from the grants of the film. People are traveling all over the world now. But and again, the message to people that we want to get out about animal charity evaluators is please don't listen to them. Please donate, don't donate to the people that they are telling you to because we believe it's based on too many conflicts of interest. Instead, donate to the people that you are no you know are doing great work in your community maybe it's a group you work with um you know we constantly see these these emails from groups that have hundreds of millions of dollars literally hundreds of millions saying we need fifty thousand dollars by next week or x amount of animals are going to get died even though that's what this group spends on lunch for their mm -hmm. top chef you know their top staff um just please just uh, just just look at it more objectively um, any group that's getting that, that has millions of dollars in the bank doesn't need your money. The groups who do are the ones again on the ground, working hard every day, who are saving lives. And you know, I, 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 there's another thing I just want to throw out about Ace too. Again, going to this whole nonsense that only their way works as far as saving lives. And by the way, we should note: please read the evolution of their their phrasing. It used to be about saving lives. Now they talk about reducing suffering. So it, it used to be also like when, when you ever heard someone say humane, the next thing was an animal was going to be killed. Humane hunting, humane slaughter. Mm -hmm. Now when you hear people talk H about humane reducing, society, humane right, society. Humane society. <laughs> same uh, thing, an animal is being killed. Right. And so when you now the wording is, well, we're reducing suffering, which means animals are going to die. And, you know, I, I was thinking about this. Well, what really would be if you if you had a million dollars or 20 million dollars, you know, if OPP is giving that that much, you know, the person who develops a non animal replacement for the mouse in animal experimentation will save more lives than anyone in the history of the world, because it's 100 million lives a year, billions and billions of lives. So the point is, again, going back to Ace's hypocrisy. If you really wanted to be effective in your altruism, you would be donating to whoever's trying to work on that. I mean, there are real things out there that aren't jokes, that aren't somebody sitting around writing reports, you know, taking a nice paycheck home, that will potentially save hundreds of millions, if not billions well, I, of dollars. I, I say give, give me $20 million and let's see how fast the world goes vegan, you know, how fast uh – you know, the country goes vegan. I mean, well, is there it how has, fast there has, the country goes vegan or how fast you go to Hawaii? Uh, 
Well, I, I the, you know, of course, our headquarters will be in Hawaii. Right, uh, in Golden. But, uh, <laughs> just kidding. It, it will be a surfboard in Hawaii, but uh, you no. know. But the thing is, there, there's never really been a vegan campaign. There, there's never been, you know, a vegan movement. There really has not been, and uh, so that that's what interests me now, and that's you know where I'm I'm focusing my time. I think you know. Well, and uh, and I I think that um, you know, I look in my case and people I know that. It's it's a journey everyone's on. I, I used and I, I, we may have talked about this last time. I was a heavy meat eater uh, before. I just saw something, you know, it had nothing to do with. This was nineteen, you know, again nineteen ninety. Um, but uh, so this was before the internet and everything. You know, every person is on their own journey. And I tell people this. I said, you know, follow your journey. If you if your conscience, if your ethics are telling you. I really don't feel good about this, then don't do it. You don't have to. Um, you know, I just met, a, I was at a party, my uh, a son's friend, and there was this 15-year-old girl there who says she wants to go vegan. I mean, it was great. I mean, but people will do it, and it's not going to be these million-dollar donations going to ACE so they can write a report on it. It's this young girl figuring out herself that there's something wrong with animals. Well, there also has to be, you know, the kind of vegan education and information that, that's really never been there. I, I see more of a sense of urgency uh, about people's journey because of the life and death issues that animals face every day. I can't allow it to be, you know, just really like a journey without encouragement, like where your journey needs to like go into high gear right now and really consider that if, if you are concerned about animals, every piece of meat that you eat, every piece of cheese, I mean, there's no escaping uh, the the animal suffering and murder. I mean, so there's right. you know, I mean, and we we often kind of tiptoe away from things. We you know, I don't know what it is with vegans. We you know, we don't want to bring up the subject. We don't want to offend people by by talking about it. But you know, if if it were rape, if it were like you know, somebody's engaged in activities that are associated with rape, it would be like, hey, you know, we have to figure out a way to get this stopped immediately and for people to see that you know it's not really a personal choice because the animals don't have a choice and you know in all regards we're, we're, we're all victims because everybody's going to get heart disease cancer stroke and diabetes and we're having global warming and you know we're, we're all our resources are being depleted so there there is you know we need the sense of urgency of a pigeon shoot to me, it's as important to, you know, like, a as it is to run out to stop a pigeon shoot, we have to run out and get everybody to consider going vegan as quickly as possible. You know, so, uh, and how we do that? Well, we haven't had a movement that's really been, you know, addressing that, who hasn't felt that, that sense of urgency. We want to stop the most suffering, the most killing? Well, look at all the billions and billions of animals, and it's all... You know, we're we're doing it. You know, we're we're doing it with the people who are protesting against the circus next to us, or you know, whatever protesting. Then they go home and eat a steak. It's like, ah, come on, we we got to talk about this. You know? Well, and those are people that you want to be there to help them through their journey. Like if they realize that being cruel to an elephant's an issue, you know, your personal relationship with them, you know, talking to them, a lot of times, you know, that that's what help people. Take sure. the next step. Well, I, I so wish you know, I, I there's wish there's a million there, different ways of doing this. Right. I, I wish there was some. I wish there was someone like me when I stayed so-called vegetarian for 13 years, eating dairy and eggs and doing nothing. That didn't accomplish anything. I thought, oh, look at me, you know. And it's like, you know, then 13 years later, I find out 
this is what happens in the dairy industry, this is what happens in the egg industry. I, you know, I did nothing for 13 years, so I went vegan immediately, but, you know, where was I, where was somebody to, t to tell me this? You know, I love animals, I love dogs, I wouldn't eat Daisy, you know, so why am I eating anybody? You know, I, I babysat for a chicken, you know, it's like, oh, she's following me all around the house, she knows her name, you know, it's like, what's going on here? Let's, let's wake up people to, to what we're doing, but we are really brainwashed and indoctrinated, and I don't see all this money going toward promoting cage-free eggs and, you know, lab meat, you know, being of any help. We, you know, but then as I say, you know, I've been vegan for 33 years. Um, I've seen the compromise of the animal rights movement, and I'm saying now, like, what can we do to help everybody go vegan as quickly as possible? And we have those, those naysayers out there who say, oh, it's too hard, you know, like, you know, we, who are we to deprive people of the information that will save their lives and save the planet and save the animals? And, you know, that's the way everybody could do it every day. You know, I mean, I can't, I can't free all the orcas from SeaWorld as much as I'd like to today, but I can go vegan today. You know, I can't close down the, the coal plant, you know, but I can go vegan today. Yeah. So anyway, that's my, that's my thing. That's I, my and thing. It's a good thing. It's a happy thing. <laughs> It is a happy thing. It's that it's the best thing I've ever done. Most be, most vegans believe, you know, think that. And, you know, going vegan is the best thing I've ever done. Wish I would have done it sooner. So, um, so why wait? If you're if you're listening today now and you're considering, oh, someday, someday. Well, today. How about today? You know, I've spoken to people in the past who have said that. You know, I've been considering it. You know, I want to do it. You know, it's like, well, today. Today's a great day. You know, so. Go for it. Go vegan. So, all right, Stu. Well, I think that this has been a great discussion. Have we missed anything? Or uh, well, let me just how, uh, again. I just want to, if I may, just uh, say if you if you want to see for yourself the videos we put out, you can see the one about Enhoff, where we won this victory. You can see the one about animal charity evaluators. You can go to our YouTube channel, which is you could just either search for showing animals respect and kindness, or it's YouTube slash Shark Online ORG. Check us out on Facebook, and our website is sharkonline.org. Um, you know, we are – our job is to save animals, and sometimes that means fighting against people who are doing what we consider to be unethical and are hurting animals. And we're not afraid to, to – to, you know, as we're doing – we're not – many people reach out to us saying – thanking us for exposing what Animal Charity Evaluators is doing, but, you know – it had to be done. Someone needed to start looking to it, and I think there's a lot more that's going to come out. I should note that we found – I'll tease people with this. There is another major real conflict of interest with one of the groups that ACE promoted, and um, I think people are going to really take notice of this. And that will come out uh, – You know, we're working on animal issues while we're working on this, but that's going to be a big thing. So again, check us out. Uh, well, we'll, we'll, keep, and, and people, we'll, keep, we'll keep people up to date on that also. And uh, again, uh, as I mentioned, you were on uh, last week's program, um, our most recent show. You're you're on there, and we did also play the uh, the audio to your video uh, exposing uh, Ace and uh, all of this uh, going on. I look forward to your future revelations. And by the way, I checked out. Uh, you sent me to your website. What was it? The um, is it Charity Cop that had the Will Charity. Potter story? CharityCops.com, right. So if you, we've exposed a few people. Will Potter and his drones, he raised a ton of money for drones and yet doesn't seem to actually have done anything with it. There's Alec Pacheco and his 600 million dogs. 
uh, group, which again seems to have real serious problems. Um, you know, there, I, I think that there are people out there, in my opinion, who look at animal people willing to donate money to something that sounds good, but then they they take the money and, and, and don't do anything with it, which is it hurts the animals twice. Uh, it hurts the animals because that money could have gone to a real group doing real work, and it also hurts the animals because those people are now not going to want to donate to anyone else or support because they feel they got burned. So, yeah, you can check out charitycops.com. It's one of our sub-websites. Uh, you can check out sharkonline.org. And, again, just, you know, our message is just stick to your guns. Don't sell your ethics out. Uh, look for yourself to who you think deserves your money. Don't trust animal charity evaluators. And, and seriously, do what you can in your own life to help save lives. The best and sticking by, by stick to your guns, you mean like water pistols, like something harmless, right? You know, as so, soon as that so. word was out, I'm like, I forgot the group I'm talking to. But um, Nonviolence, nonviolence. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that phrase is a nonviolent <laughs> Yes, it's a, a poor choice of wording. Stick to your tofu, is that better? Stick, stick, stick to your water pistol, your little, I don't know, your little cooling water pistol on when it's 101 degrees, even pistol maybe. Stick to your little water Water, vapor, uh, device. Yeah, device. Uh, <laughs> all right, Sue. Well, thanks for being with us, and of course, we will uh, continue to follow the story and stay with you on this. Hey, thank you. I really appreciate the time. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. It's Go Vegan Radio with Bob Lindsay. We continue on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. On Twitter at Go Vegan Radio, Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And also uh, we have the Radio Bobby, uh, RadioBobby.com, our 24-7 music radio station, the most amazingly awesome, awesomely amazing music you've ever heard. And... No commercials uh, associated with with meat, dairy, fish, eggs, um, wool, leather, feathers, fur, silk, uh, anything using animals. So um, that uh, you know those, those no no ads to upset the vibe of the positive, uh, wonderful sound of Radio Bobby. RadioBobby.com. Uh, there's a Facebook page for Radio Bobby. And I think there's a Twitter for it, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I never know who's shutting down what for what reason, you know, the, you know. Now we have a dictatorship. Of course, the government can't shut you down for free speech, but you have people like uh, Google, you know, YouTube. And so I, I, I never know what's working, you know, if, if I've said something right, said something wrong. Um, let me see. Let me see. How much trouble I can get myself into now uh, again um, oh and uh, do please support us with a tax-deductible donation um, we've uh, been broadcasting now for 16 years go vegan radio with Bob Linden as heard on the Air America radio network and CBS and clear channel stations around the country we were on the GCN radio network yes that's Alex Jones network we were told uh, we were the first 
food show on GCN. Um, and that was the first news to me that I, you know, like, that, that was news to me that this is a food show. But I, I guess it probably is. Let's talk about food here for a second. So uh, I mentioned uh, a few months ago when I was in Los Angeles, uh, a friend said, oh, you have to go to Crossroads. You know, that's the, the happening restaurant down there and get the burger. So, you know, whatever you do, get the burger. Okay, so I got the burger, you know. I mean, it was okay, but uh, I guess I didn't expect it to be some GMO concoction from Bill Gates, you know. I mean, Chef Tull and all, you know, the 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 magic chef. Um, not, you know, not, not you know, I, I'm I'm expecting something, you know, from uh, from the pan or you know the oven, not not from Windows. Um, I'm generally not too thrilled with what we get from from Bill Gates, you know. So geoengineering, vaccinations, and now the Impossible Burger. Um, and you know the FDA has not yet found it possible to consider the new Impossible Burger safe, huh? So. There I was. I, I, I went down to L.A. to this really cool restaurant, and I had a genetically engineered burger not considered safe by the FDA. Barf! You know? I mean, there's GMO everywhere. And here we have GMO, and this GMO isn't considered safe yet, you know? So, And um, I guess I just expect, you know, decent restaurants to have, have a better burger than that. I was just talking about Vegetarian House Restaurant in San Jose. Uh, 100% vegan restaurant. It has the most amazingly delicious burger. Uh, the Jolly Burger there. It's, it's fantastic. Organic, you know. Healthy ingredients. So, and, you know, looking now at the uh, Impossible Burger... Uh, looking at the ingredients, it looked like it looks like it. There are multiple ways for it to be GMO. From the uh, ingredient in it that's not considered uh, safe, the heme. You know, there's a this uh, there's a soy. Uh, you know, so so the heme itself. Um, this this ingredient is a genetically engineered uh, yeast situation. There is a soy source of this heme, or leg hemoglobin, I believe it's called. So it's a soy source. Um, that doesn't say it's organic. I'm not saying soy sauce. I'm saying soy source. And that's, you know, very challenging for somebody who grew up with a New York accent and then later in life, you know, wanted to be understood by people and, you know, tried to figure out what I had to do, uh, which was take R's out where they didn't belong, put them in where they do belong. So, um, easy to think I was saying there was a soy sauce of leg hemoglobin. A soy source of the hemoglobin. And uh, there's also soy protein isolate uh, as an ingredient in the Impossible Burger. So uh, multiple opportunities to be genetic, genetically engineered by, by this burger, you know. So um, 
I don't know. I think I think a restaurant, a, a classy vegan place, should be making its own burger, you know, or find one, you know, with the quality we expect from real vegan food, not not Bill Gates vegan food. You know, so anyway, um, Gates is also putting money into lab meat. <sighs> so. Wish he'd put a little money into Go Vegan Radio. And, well, I guess, I guess he can't make money off of uh, just asking people to eat, you know, broccoli, kale, rice, beans, uh, tofu. Well, <laughs> the list is endless. What am I, why, why would I even start right now, right? Huh? Fruits, vegetables, nuts, grains, seeds, beans. Um, so anyway, yeah, so now what's happening, we have... Uh, lab meat happening because people are putting money into it they're putting money um into what is what's being called clean meat since lab meat sounds you know it sounds so mad scientist you know uh although impossible burger is sounding a little bit mad scientist to me right now too uh anyway the uh mad scientist uh lab meat clean meat uh is far from vegan it's, you know, lab meat is derived from animals, from cells from animals. Uh, it sounds better because now we call them donor animals, you know. Uh, sounds like they almost want to give a part of themselves, uh, uh, you know, their, their cells. Uh, food derived from animals, nourished by the blood of unborn cows, is not vegan. Um, animal cells do not grow on trees. So, uh, vegan food grows on trees, though. Um, and, uh, I don't know. If this fake food catches on, there will be, you know, farms and farms full of donor animals. Uh, terrified, imprisoned, mutilated donor animals. And now, um, you know, more and more there'll be more and more kinds of those animals for your dining pleasure since people will think, oh, all we're doing is taking a few cells. They don't mind, right? Um, so, you know, panda burger, anyone? I mean, there'll be, you know, all sorts of species imprisoned and tortured and killed um, for lab meat. For lab meat. Oh, so, okay, so let's uh, continue uh, with this related to... Uh, this is out of the Huffington Post. Uh, the headline of the article, FDA casts doubt on safety of Impossible Burger's key GMO ingredients. Why are my friends asking me to go to restaurants and eat GMO burgers? Are they going to... I think I will unfriend. I'm going to unfriend that friend. So, anyway, uh, what does it say here? Uh, da, 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 da. Agency told lab meat manufacturer. Let's see. Agency told. Okay, let's uh, let's read this the way the writer intended, and that is, agency told lab meat manufacturer it hadn't demonstrated safety of burgers genetically engineered. Heme, H-E-M-E, uh, which has never been in the food supply. Company put product on the market anyway. Um, for Bob Linden to eat on his visit to Los Angeles. Um, and I do believe it's in over 30 restaurants now. Huh? 
So it says the U.S. Food and Drug Administration told the manufacturer of the meat-like Impossible Burger that the company hadn't demonstrated the safety of the product's key genetically engineered ingredient, according to internal FDA documents. Despite FDA's concerns, Impossible Foods put its GMO-derived burger on the market for public consumption. Barf, 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 barf. Um, I am feeling a little nauseated now. GMO ingredient gives product meat-like taste and red blood-like color. I'm continuing with this HuffPost article. The Impossible Burger is made using a genetically engineered form of a protein called soy uh, leg hemoglobin, or SLH, or heme that is uh, found in the root nodules of soybean plants. So, here we are with that. Soybean plants, not necessarily organic. If they're not organic, they could be, you know, GMO Monsanto, right? Okay. Um, Impossible Foods adds an SLH gene to a yeast strain... Uh, which then, uh, which is then grown in vats using a fermentation process. So, what do you have? Do you have uh, GMO soy mixing uh, with uh, yeast uh, in its own, uh, you know, new GMO product? The SLH or heme is then isolated from the yeast and added to the Impossible Burger. Heme gives the Impossible Burger its meat-like taste and blood-like red color. Impossible Foods claims its product uses about 75% less water, generates about 87% fewer greenhouse gases, and uh, requires around 95% less land than conventional ground beef from cows. Uh, it's produced without hormones, antibiotics, cholesterol, or artificial flavors. That was a quote. Uh, the GMO-derived Impossible Burger is sold in... Oh, okay. It's, the GMO-derived Impossible Burger is sold in 43 restaurants nationwide, including several burger chains, and Impossible Foods has attracted significant funding from investors such as Bill Gates. Uh, another sub-headline here, FDA arguments do not establish safety of SLH for consumption. According to documents obtained by ETC Group and Friends of the Earth uh, U.S. through the Freedom of Information Act, Impossible Foods submitted an application to seek GRAS, which is generally recognized as safe, Status, so it was seeking GRAS status for SLH from the FDA. Everything is just three letters, right? Everything, yeah. So, okay, uh, that was in 2014. The FDA's 1997 GRAS, oh, four letters. Um, the, the FDA's 1997 GRAS notification uh, policy allows a manufacturer, like Impossible Foods, to decide for itself without FDA input whether or not a product is safe. But, and there's always a big but, isn't there? But the FDA warned Impossible Foods that uh, 
but the FDA warned Impossible Foods that SLH would not meet the basic GRAS status. The FDA produced documents, uh, uh, let's see, the FDA produced documents state, whew, if I were auditioning for an acting part, oh, well, 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 what, what, what was the writer intending for me to say here? Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, it wasn't the FDA-produced documents. It was the FOIA-produced documents. Okay, Freedom of Information Act. The FOIA-produced documents state that the FDA, quote, the FDA believes that the arguments presented individually and collectively do not establish the safety of SLH for consumption, nor do they point to a general recognition of safety, end quote. According to Michael Hansen, senior scientist at Consumers Union, Impossible Foods claimed that the engineered SLH heme was identical to the SLH that has been in the food supply, uh, but the company had uh, no safety testing data to, pack that, to back that claim. Quote, you are taking something that has never been in the food supply before and uh, you come to the FDA, say it is GRAS, and you have no safety data, uh, particularly from uh, feeding studies, Hansen said. Uh, that argument has literally come down to saying that it is exactly identical to the heme we've always been eating, but it is not true, end quote. In discussion with uh, FDA, Impossible Foods also admitted that up to a quarter of its heme ingredient was composed of uh, 46 unexpected additional proteins. What? What did I eat? Oh, my God. Oh, oh, gosh. I have to flush my system. I'm sorry. Or do I have to fast? Or do I have to just drink a lot of water? Or do I have to not think about this? No, I better think. Okay, so it says here, in discussion with the FDA, Impossible Foods also admitted that up to a quarter of its heme ingredient was composed of 46 unexpected additional proteins, some of which are unidentified and none of which were assessed for safety in the dossier. Ooh, a dossier. Um, Okay, it says here, it's only 73% pure. The other 27% is from proteins from the genetically engineered yeast that produces it, and these have an unknown function, Hansen says. According to the FOIA documents, Impossible Foods withdrew its GRAS application in November of 2015. Despite the FDA's warnings, Impossible Foods went ahead and started uh, selling the Impossible Burger in 2016. Quote, the FDA, told Impossible, the FDA told Impossible Foods that its burger was not going to meet government safety standards, and the company, um, the company admitted it didn't know um, all of its constituents. 
Yet, it sold it anyway to thousands of unwitting consumers. Responsible food companies don't treat customers this way, says Jim Thomas of ETC Group. Continuing to quote him, Impossible Foods should pull the burgers from the market unless and until safety can be established by the FDA and apologize to those whose safety it may have risked. End quote. Well, I'm a little concerned now that I've uh, eaten uh, the impossible. Here we continue. It goes on. It says, David Bronner, totally unethical to market and feed an untested protein. Uh, so that's the subheadline continuing in this Huffington Post article here. It says, a recent uh, New York Times article brought the controversy over the Impossible Burger to light. In response to the article, Impossible Foods issued a press release attesting to the safety of its product. The company said that a panel of food safety and allergy experts at uh, three universities unanimously <laughs> reaffirmed uh, last week that soy uh, leg hemoglobin, I hope I'm saying it right, is generally recognized as safe, end quote. Impossible Foods also said it will voluntarily provide the results of a study feeding rats. Whoa! Impossible Foods also said it will voluntarily provide the results of a study feeding rats, SLH. And <clears throat> additional data to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Yet Impossible Foods submitting feeding study results to the FDA after the product has been on the market for a year. It's kind of strange, huh? Uh, it says here, well, what, what was that sentence anyway? It says, yet Impossible Foods is submitting feeding study results to the FDA after the product has been on the market for a year. Um, not that I, uh, you know, not that I'm into any studies on animals at all. Um, but this is what, what it's doing. Huh? This, is, this is pretty wild. Huh? Quote again, It's very troubling that Impossible Foods has put this product on the market and more than one year later still has not submitted required safety data including a rat feeding study to FDA, Hansen said. I'm totally against rat feeding studies, to tell you the truth. Um, it says, David Bronner, president of Dr. Bronner's Magic Soaps, which I used to buy until uh, I saw that Dr. Bronner's was supporting the Humane Society of the United States and Mercy for Animals and other such uh, um, animal exploitation uh, uh, organizations. Anyway, David Bronner, president of Dr. Bronner's Magic Soaps uh, that I used to use but now boycott um, and uh, and it says here, and plant-based foods advocate. I wonder what that means. Does that mean he's a vegan food advocate? I don't know. Uh, anyway, it says, uh, David Browner had earlier expressed support for the Impossible Burger as a solution to environmental problems caused by industrial meat production, but the recent revelations have changed Browner's opinion. Quote, while there is a great potential, while there is great potential good that the Impossible Burger could do, it's totally unethical to market 
and feed uh, an untested protein to people and claim that it is identical to what we already eat, end quote. He says, uh, let's see, major loopholes in FDA food safety regulations. The fact that companies like Impossible Foods can request GRAS status then withdraw the application when the FDA raises concerns and yet still put products on the market shows major loopholes in FDA food safety regulations. According to Hansen, the GRAS uh, process is so broken, uh, it's perfectly legal for a company to say uh, whatever compound uh, they, they want to use is determined to be safe and then put it in the food supply and not even tell the FDA, end quote. Um, another major loophole is that while the FDA conducts reviews of genetically engineered plants and animals, the agency doesn't review products made using genetically engineered microorganisms like the Impossible Burger's heme. The FDA doesn't even request safety data, Hansen said. Uh, Hansen believes um, the GMO heme should be regulated as a, as a color additive because Impossible Foods promotes heme's ability to give the burger a blood red color like meat. The FDA requires safety assessment of color additives. Um, if it affects color and marketability, it means uh, it meets the definition of a color additive and should be recognized as such, he says. Okay, so that's uh, from the uh, Huffington Post here. And uh, what are we looking at? Uh, what was revealed there? Let me see if I can find my... What else I had open here? Well, actually, actually, as as we uh, just uh, saw in that article, uh, you have Impossible Foods now testing on animals. Apparently, Hampton Creek is testing on animals also, and it looks like PETA, uh, PETA put out something about that. Uh, did Peter say? Peter said, Impossible Foods, the, ma the, the maker of the as yet barely available Impossible Burger, decided entirely voluntarily to test one of its burger ingredients, heme, by feeding it to rats and killing them, something it is not and never has been required to do to market its products. Uh, this was uh, PETA's complaint about animal testing now by Impossible Burger. It says uh, the company did this in order to try to win Food and Drug Administration or FDA approval. And despite this bid to win FDA approval by using these uh, um, little mammals, the FDA has not yet granted approval that the company sought. So, what else does it say here? It says Impossible Foods founder Patrick Brown has been uh, disingenuous in uh, talking of his agonizing dilemma 
to subject animals to experimentation that the company never needed to do. Um, so uh, it says, what's happening? What is Impossible Foods doing? Uh, it says uh, here, rats in laboratories usually live in plastic shoebox size containers stacked against the wall, deprived of everything that is natural to them, terrified of the humans who hurt them. Um, let's see if, let me see if I can see anything specific to, uh, to these experiments here. Um, let's see. So, so Peter talked to the founder of Impossible Foods, Patrick Brown, and uh, Brown admitted that the test uh, did not have to be done, uh, that if he had to do it over again, uh, he would still do it even though it was not required by any regulation and that he would not commit to never commissioning other tests in the future. Okay, so isn't that amazing? You know, you think you have a vegan product come along and then it, it gets involved with uh, testing its ingredients on animals, testing on rats. Um, you know, which uh, you can't really extrapolate. You can't extrapolate what happens to rats, what'll happen to people, and now I'm concerned uh, what's going to happen to... What's going to happen to me? I, I ate something that uh, you know has never been, never been marketed. It's you know never been in the food supply. And there I was. I went down to L.A. I went to Crossroads Restaurant, minding my own business, looking forward to the burger. Oh well. Um, and then oh, also Peta said here. Now the Good Food Institute has approached Peta on behalf of ha Hampton Creek. After PETA asked the company about its testing policy, um, and apparently Hampton Creek has also just admitted to voluntarily conducting tests on rats, and Hampton Creek has now refused to say that it would uh, not test on animals in the future. Whew! Okay, so. <laughs> Unbelievable. Impossible Burger and Hampton Creek testing on animals. This is unbelievable. Uh, Let's go to Business Insider here. It says, Hampton Creek says it's making lab-grown meat that will be in supermarkets by 2018. So, um... Apparently, if you're a company that tests on animals and uh, market uh, lab-grown meat, which would be from animals, uh, we're not looking very vegan here anymore, are we? Okay, so this is from Business Insider. It says, uh, Hampton Creek, the Silicon Valley startup known for its vegan mayonnaise, uh, says it is working on growing meat in a lab. The food startup revealed to the Wall Street Journal that it plans to get its meat to stores by 2018, long before the competition. And, and, and isn't there such a demand for lab meat right now? Aren't all the people right now eating you know, a Big Mac or you know, people in Wendy's and Burger King saying, Man, if I just had some, if I just had some lab meat, you know, I'm looking, you know, I'm so tired of this, this cow meat. We want lab meat. 
we want lab meat. So don't worry, the vegans are deciding what meat you will be eating very shortly here. Uh, it says um, in this uh, Business Insider article, there's only a small group of global, global startups uh, vying to create, quote, clean meat. Uh, beef, chicken, or seafood engineered in industrial vats to taste like the real thing. California-based startup Memphis Meats um, I thought that was in uh, Tennessee, but okay. California-based startup Memphis Meats which has raised at least $3 million is the only other company that has said it will go to market and uh, not until 2021. Dr. Mark Post, a researcher in, uh, in what? In Maastacht? In Maastacht, Netherlands, also made a lab-grown burger in 2013 and subsequently launched a company called Mosa Meats to further his work. Hampton Creek's plan is part of a larger trend of startups working on high-tech meat alternatives, including plant-based meats that mimic traditional meats. The food startup Beyond Meat sells its burgers made mostly from pea protein at vegetarian chain Veggie Grill and in the meat aisle in select whole food stores. Impossible Foods plant-based burgers are also at some upscale fast casual restaurants like, uh, what's this, Momo, Momofoku? I don't know these places. I don't eat there. I'm afraid of what I'm saying here. This is a family show. I apologize for my language, Momofoku. And uh, also, uh, Umami Burger? Umami Burger? Umami! Uh, okay, so uh, Hampton Creek, which has raised more than $120 million to date, woo, has had its share of controversy since launching in 2011. In 2015, former employees told Business Insider that the startup used shoddy science, stretched the truth when labeling samples, and created an uncomfortable work environment uh, purely in an effort to meet production deadlines. Uh, there were also allegations that leading up to uh, a venture capital funding round in 2014, the startup paid contractors to buy its vegan mayo to appear like there was more interest from shoppers, uh, Bloomberg reported in 2016. Hampton Creek claimed that the, buy, the buyout program uh, was for quality control purposes. <laughs> So Hampton Creek wanted to look more popular. So it bought its own mayonnaise to make itself look popular. And then when it got caught, it said it was for quality control. Okay. Uh, let's see. It says, on June 26, Target uh, announced it will pull 20 Hampton Creek products, including the startup's popular vegan mayo, just mayo, from its shelves um, over food safety concerns. Now, I ran into uh, somebody, a, a food distributor at a natural food store the other day. He said the, the Hampton Creek uh, mayo, just mayo, 
if it's not refrigerated, um, it has a preservative in it. So, you know, in some stores, it's not refrigerated. That that one, uh, I guess, has that preservative. Just wanted you to know. Continuing uh, this article from Business Insider. Um, clearing a path uh, to market for Hampton Creek's meat so quickly seems ambitious. It's hard uh, to nail the texture. It's hard to nail the texture and taste of meat grown in a lab, and getting prices down to consumer-friendly levels could be difficult. But the startup told Quartz it will meet that timeline. The Good Food Institute, a food tech nonprofit that has worked with Hampton Creeks, uh, with Hampton Creek, is also confident that Hampton Creek can get can get its meat to supermarkets by 2018. Uh, the Good Food Institute. Where did I hear that? Uh, ah, yes, uh, earlier in this program, in the investigation of uh, animal charity evaluators. Good Food Institute. Meat is good food uh, to these people. Uh, genetically engineered meat. Uh, good food. Good food. Um, okay, anyway. Uh, okay, here's a quote. Uh, it's an ambitious goal for sure, but yes, with the right resources, it should be achievable. Bruce Friedrich, the meat salesman, uh, GFI's executive director, told Business Insider, Hampton Creek has gone beyond expectations with everything it has set out to do. It went from uh, founding to unicorn status in about five years, CEO Joshua Tetrick appears to be committed to moving fast and breaking things. Breaking things. Okay. All right. And uh, the other uh, partner in this, along with Josh Tetrick, is uh, Josh Balk, uh, who works for the Humane Society of the United States. Uh, he's out there selling cage-free eggs. Um, anyway, so, all right, well, that's, uh, that's the story there. Very interesting, related to Impossible Foods and Hampton Creek. This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. Uh, once again, I would like to ask you to support this program with a tax-deductible donation. You can find the donate button at GoVeganRadio.com where there are hundreds of free archives that you can hear. We've been doing this program for 16 years now. Inexplicably, we have continued. I thought it would last maybe two or three weeks when we went on the air. Here we are 16 years later. And... Uh, also, you can support us via Patreon subscription. Again, go to GoVeganRadio.com. You'll see that whole Patreon thing happening there. Um, and uh, definitely, uh, go. we're on Facebook at GoVeganRadio with Bob Linden. And you can follow us on Twitter at GoVeganRadio. Uh, just one more thing here that I uh, wanted to mention. This I see on uh, the website, the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, uh, which says the USDA's MyPlate is making Americans sick, says a doctor's group. Uh, federal petition urges USDA 
to ditch dairy, swap protein for legumes. Uh, so uh, this uh, this release says my plate could be more uh, my plate could more successfully help Americans fight diet related diseases if the U.S. Department of Agriculture removed the dairy group and replaced the protein portion of the plate with a legumes category, beans, legumes, legumes, pulse, right? Um, uh, Says a federal petition filed on August 10th by the Physicians Committee, a nonprofit uh, with uh, 12,000 doctor members. Quote, USDA's my plate is making Americans sick says PCRM President Neil Barnard, MD. My plate should help Americans stay healthy. Instead, it overemphasizes uh, one nutrient, protein, and encourages consumption of dairy products that fuel the nation's diet-related disease epidemics. End quote. My plate is an illustration that divides a serving plate into three common food groups, vegetables, fruits, and grains, and one nutrient category, protein, uh, an anomaly that perpetuates the myth that protein is absent in vegetables, fruits, and grains, and that people must take special care to include protein in their diets. Um, The serving plate is accompanied by a smaller adjacent circle representing a dairy group. Huh. Um, promoted by healthcare corporations, grocery retailers, health professional associations, restaurant chains, and food manufacturers, my plate is meant to provide nutrition guidance but may actually increase health risks. The petition recommends removing the dairy group because scientific evidence shows that dairy products offer little, if any, protection uh, for uh, bone health and increase the risk of breast, ovarian, and prostate cancers, cardiovascular disease, uh, Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's disease, and early death. Uh... Dairy products also harm a significant portion of the U.S. population, uh, which suffers from lactose intolerance, which causes uh, bloating, diarrhea, and gas. The National Institutes of Health estimates that 30 million to 50 million American adults are lactose intolerant, including 95% of Asians, 60 to 80% of African Americans, and... uh, Ashkenazi Jews, uh, 80 to 100 percent of American Indians, and 50 to 80 percent of Hispanics. Uh, It says, although calcium is an essential nutrient, it is available from many other more healthful foods, such as beans, green leafy vegetables, tofu products, breads, and cereals. The petition also recommends replacing the protein portion of the plate with the legumes food group. The average American consumes roughly double the protein uh, his or her body needs, and the uh, main sources of protein consumed uh, tend to be animal products, which are often high-fat, saturated fat, and cholesterol. 
Evidence indicates that meals high in saturated fat adversely affect the uh, compliance of uh, is that it? Yeah, the compliance of arteries, increasing the risk of heart attacks. Uh, long-term high intake of meat, particularly red meat, is associated with significantly increased risks of colorectal cancer. Uh, the 2015 to 2020 Dietary Guidelines for Americans advise that teen boys and adult men need to reduce overall intake of protein foods by decreasing intakes of meats, poultry, and eggs, and increasing amounts of vegetables. Uh, grains, legumes, and vegetables uh, provide... Legumes? Legumes. Legumes or legumes? Both of them. Eat both of them. Uh, grains, legumes, and vegetables provide adequate but not excessive amounts of protein to maintain body tissue, including muscle. The 2015 to 2020 dietary guidelines say that legumes are excellent sources of protein, but that intakes of legumes are below recommendations. Um, my plate should focus only on essential food groups, says the petition. Vegetables, fruits, grains, and legumes are staples available in all grocery stores and familiar to all Americans. Uh, together, these four food groups provide the nutrients necessary for a healthful diet uh, that maintains a healthy body weight and prevents disease. Okay, so... There you have that, and, uh, you know, I look at this, and, uh, of course, the thought that comes to mind is, uh, you know, w w which is more racist, uh, Donald Trump or the school lunch program? See that? I mean, you, <laughs> dairy is included in the school lunch program. I mean, you know, good luck trying to get soy milk or rice milk or almond milk. And as it says here, um, worth repeating, since uh, some dietary guidelines seem to be somewhat racist. Which is more racist, Donald Trump or the school lunch program? Dairy products, as I said here, harm a significant portion of the U.S. population, which suffers from lactose intolerance, which causes bloating, diarrhea, and gas. The National Institutes of Health estimates that 30 million to 50 million American adults are lactose intolerant, including 95% of Asians, 60 to 80% of African Americans and Ashkenazi Jews, 80 to 100% of American Indians, and 50 to 80% of Hispanics. So don't you, don't you love those, those food programs where um, Native Americans are given cheese? You know, I mean... Well, we, we, we need to get it together. <laughs> I think we need to get it together, which apparently means uh, we go vegan. We go vegan, we eat organic. We pr Preferably, we eat veganic, uh, organic vegan, but that's another story. Uh, that's another story that uh, if we get, ever get around to posting all the talks from... The second World Vegan Summit and Expo, we'll, we'll cover veganic and that, and, and so much more. Okay, I think that will uh, just about do it for this week's program. 
I uh, thank you for joining us. We appreciate your support. Again, we certainly could use your help. Um, a tax-deductible de- tax donation uh, would be greatly appreciated at GoVeganRadio.com. Uh, and again, uh, you can uh, support us through subscription via Patreon. You can see see all about that at GoVeganRadio.com also. And remember, we are on Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Twitter, at Go Vegan Radio. And now that the program is ending, I will go back to my favorite uh, new addiction, which is listening to RadioBobby.com.